Aren't you thankful for our student ministry, man? Praise the Lord for them and them leading us in worship this morning. It has uh, become one of my favorite songs, I, Waymaker, and, and I think one of the main reasons is um, the, the tag, I, I, I guess that's what you call it, a tag, um, that it says, even when I don't see it, you're working, and even when I don't feel it, you're working. Aren't you thankful for that, church? That, uh, man, sometimes you don't feel it, and sometimes you don't see it. But the Lord is working uh, because the Lord doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste experiences and moments. And when uh, Jonah was in the belly of a whale or a big fish, uh, he could easily think, well, God's forgot about me. I don't know how further away I could get from him. Uh, but God was working. And uh, even when he didn't see it or feel it, he was working. And, and I can promise you this. Even when you don't feel it, when you don't see it sometimes, the Lord's working. So trust Him, amen? Trust Him that He's always working, and uh, He's always uh, moving uh, and doing things in your life. And so if you'll turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, we are looking at uh, being a going church that the Lord has called us through the Scriptures Uh, to be a church that is going, that we are to be uh, all the time going. Uh, I was thinking this past week um, of, man, just how we can maybe uh, ministries or things or uh, 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 maybe different methods of how can we get people out going? Do we do a visitation night? Do we do a once a month or something? We all gather together and just go out and kind of do a evangelism blitz where we go to just knock on random doors or, you know, we go to uh, the mall or Oxford Lake or somewhere or some park and, man, just blitz everybody there and tell them all about Jesus, you know. Uh, I, I think that may be a, a, an effective way. But then, you know, the Lord just said, Mike, you got hundreds of people every Sunday that every Monday they're going to a lot more people than that, that would be at those places. Uh, and in order for us to be a going church, we all have to realize every day you are in a mission field. You know that. When you go to work or school or uh, the grocery store, wherever we go, we are going with the gospel. We are to be going uh, too many people say, well, we don't do any kind of evangelism at our church. No, you don't do any evangelism at our church. That's the problem. I've had people say that. Well, we need the visitation. We need this. We don't do any evangelism in our church. And I would say, see, I'm just kind of quick like this. I'll say, no, you don't. I have. I talked to a guy at the gas pump just the other day about Jesus. Have you? Well, you know, we got to gather together at the church. We got to go out and do it all together. We got to have a visitation program. We got to learn this and learn that. Well, those are good methods, I'm sure, but evangelism happens every day. You know that, right? Do we believe that? It's supposed to. It's supposed to, but I think that's where we're failing. So God is calling us as a church to be going every day, everywhere. And in order for us to be going, we have to be well balanced in our life. We have to be well balanced in three deep relationships of our life. And we looked at that last week. Uh, If you were not here last week, you can go uh, on our website and listen to that. You won't have any video of that, but you can listen to it. I don't quite know if it'll be as, you know, we had a visual last week, but you could go check that out. And, uh, but we looked at three deep relationships that Jesus had that 
that uh, Jesus fostered in his life, and those deep relationships, one was up with the Father. You remember that? It was up with the Father. He, uh, Jesus spent time with his Father. So he had a deep relationship with the Father. The second deep relationship was in with his disciples. For us, it would be with one another as a faith family, with our church. We need a deep relationship with the Father up and also with our church in. And the best way to have a deep relationship is to be here, to be present, to come. Uh, and listen, that, that's not just for the adults. Adults, do you want your children to have deep relationships in the body of believers? Well, sure you do. I would hope so. Uh, if you don't, read the Scriptures. If you do, read the Scriptures. you got to have them here. Amen? Can we amen that? If you want your kid to have a love, deep relationship, love for the church, they got to be there. True or not true? they got to be there. they got to come. you got to make sure they're here. And we're moving into a, a busy season. Every season's busy now. I, I, listen, there's, it's not a, uh, this season's busier than others. Every season is busy. But listen, we got to make priorities. And so we have a deep relationship with, with, with the church. And then the third one was out. Uh, Jesus had a deep relationship up with the Father, in with his, the disciples and the church, and out with the lost world. And Jesus had deep relationships with sinners. Oh, wow, that's amazing. He had deep relationship with sinners. Matter of fact, he has such good relationship with them, people accused him of having deep relationships with sinners. Oh, he's eating with tax collectors. Nobody liked a tax collector then. Nobody likes one now. But Jesus sat down and ate with them. He ate with them. He, he dined with them. Not, he didn't just sit at a table. He reclined on the floor. And it's like, hey man, let's you got some some let's eat, let's talk, let's let's fellowship with one another with the hopes of what? Coming to seek and save that which is lost. And so three deep relationships in your life. And so we drew that out and and I, I don't know, should I do this? Oh no. Oh, is it gonna turn? Please don't break it. Oh no, this is not gonna work. Wait a minute, it's gonna be upside down. I can't do that. Spin it around. Don't do it. Never mind. Just no. It's gonna be upside down, Matt. Huh? That's what I was gonna do. Spin it around. I should have done this first. This is a a, a a show right here. I should have told you to do this first. Okay. Well, some people were here. Lily Beth and Glory and Alyssa were here. Thank y'all for that. All right. That's what happens when you leave a whiteboard out. There you go. Um, just glad there was. This was awful. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't on there. But, the, the, but what we did was you put your life in the middle, and so zero to ten, how well are you balanced? Zero to ten in, zero to ten out. And so, man, everybody here that was here last Sunday, you kind of drew that out, and you, you're going to have to come back up here in just a second, but uh, you kind of drew that out and figured out how balanced are you in deep relationships. Uh, and, and it was just a good visual for us to see Man, I'm, I'm, I'm well-balanced maybe in one area, but not in two other areas in my life. And so in order for us to be the most effective in going with the gospel and going and being uh, man, effective in uh, sharing the gospel and evangelism and seeing people get saved, because I think that's what we really want, isn't it? We want to see people get saved, but we have to be well-balanced in our life. And, so, uh, and, and we have to be well-balanced in all three areas, up in and out, and so you, you kind of saw that uh, in this triangle. Well, I have another triangle, 
This triangle is going to be in total opposition to this one we did last week. And so you could draw it out if you want to. You don't have to. Uh, it's not as detailed as this one, but uh, you, you have an opportunity. If you have pen and paper, you can write it on your worship guide. But I want to I share with you just another triangle. And so, uh, Matt, we can spin this thing around again. Come on, Come back. There you go. All right, give him a hand. Give Matt a hand. He's been so busy up here. He's done so good. Let's back it up as far as we can back it up. That's good right there. Yeah, thank you. Good game. In 1 John chapter 2, we read um, some very, really powerful words uh, for the believer, for the Christian. It's a familiar passage to many, but we want to read them together. And so if you found your place, you'll stand with me as we read the Scriptures together. We stand and read God's Word. This is, not a, this is not a regular book. This is the Word of God. And so may we treat it as God speaking directly to your heart. This is not God speaking just to me. This is God talking to you. And so listen to what God says to you. 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 15, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Powerful words from the Lord. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Have nothing to do with loving the world. You're in the world, but don't love it. Why? If you do, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, summed up in three phrases, three things, everything in the world can be summed up in these three, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Look at verse 17. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Let's pray. Father, may you illuminate the scriptures that we have read. God, I pray that just simply reading them aloud, corporately, Father, will do um, just amazing things in our heart. God, may they be a light in darkness for our world, and may they just illuminate the power, and God, may the Spirit uh, just jump forth, and Lord, allow them to transform our minds. God, we love you. Thank you for being a way maker. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's quite simple to read in 1 John chapter 2. In verse 15, you have this competition, you have this great conflict between love of the Father and love for the world. That's, that's easy to see. You can read that on your own, and you can see this conflict that is happening in 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17, this great conflict between loving the world and loving the Father and loving the things of the world and loving the things of the Father. This began in the Garden of Eden, and it continues to carry on today. And listen, it'll continue to carry on until Jesus returns. 
until uh, Satan is bound, the keys are taken back, and he is bound and thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. Then and only then will we not have these issues. But until then, you and I need to be prepared and we need to be watchful for this great conflict. Listen, every person in this room, including myself, anybody that is in the nursery or down in another part of the building on our campus, or anyone listening online, every person that is hearing my voice, you are in a conflict. Do you know that? You're in a great conflict. You said, I know. Uh, I got this job thing, or I got this family thing, or I got this. No, 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 no. This conflict is far worse than those conflicts. This conflict that you are in, which means this scripture applies to every person in this room, whether the youngest or the oldest, we are all in this together. We all have a great conflict, and that conflict is the conflict between loving the world and loving the Father. Now, I'm not going to ask you uh, to respond out loud, but I want to ask you this. Which one are you better at? Which one am I better at? And if you'll be honest to, with yourself and pray about that, which one are we better at? What does John mean when he mentions the world? He, he says the world over and over. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, and then he goes on, for everything in the world is not from the Father but is of the world, and the world it, with its lust is passing away. So over and over and over, John is using the word world. And so what does John mean when he mentions the world? He's, he doesn't mean the actual physical world, the globe that we sit on. He's not referring to that. The word world represents everything that is opposed to Christ. That's what John means. When he says the world, he means everything that is opposed to Christ, a total opposite of Christ. The world is everything that belongs to this life that is opposed to Christ, which means everything the world is for, everything the world offers, and everything the world wants is for you is in total opposite of what Christ is for, what Christ offers, and what Christ wants for you. And so it's quite easy for us to see every time we pursue worldly things, worldly fame, worldly approval, we are living in total opposition to God and Christ. Do you believe that? When we sin, we are living in total opposition to God and Christ. When you go after the world, you are sinning. And so therefore, when we pursue anything in the world, and we can mention these three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the lust of pride. When we pursue any of those things in an unholy fashion for personal reasons, personal gain, personal satisfaction, listen to me, church, you are living in total opposition to Christ. Do you know that? I know that's hard to understand, but we need to know that anytime we love the world, you are in total opposition to Christ. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love two masters. You're either going to love one or what? The other. Hate it. Let's say it louder. You're either going to love one or you're going to hate the other. And so when we love the world, it is a picture of you hating God. Do we know that? 
You said, oh, no, 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 preacher, that's not me. I love God. No, 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 that's not me in my life. I I fall into temptation every now and then, and, you know, I, I do this and I do that. Well, listen, I'm not telling you that. The Bible is telling you that. If you have a love for the world, it could be one second, a love for the world. The love of the Father is not in you. So we got a problem. We have a conflict. We have opposition. There is within you two oppositions, and they are, they're wrestling inside of you. There is your sinful nature that loves the world. Your sinful nature that desires the things of the world. Your sinful nature that is uh, appeased by the things of the world. And then there is your new creation. There is the love of God in you that loves all things God, hates all things world. And they are in opposition with one another. And I can tell you this, they're always in opposition with one another. Listen, any church, any preacher, any whatever you can, any Sunday school, anything that will ever diminish and say those two can get along with one another is total unbiblical, and you need to spit it out. They are in total opposition with one another. One way to put it is this world... This world that we live in that represents everything that is opposed to Christ, this world is Satan's system. You and I live in Satan's system who opposes God and takes the place of God. The world is run and operated by the prince of darkness, Satan. He is ruling and reigning. He is prowling on this earth, and he's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy you. He, he wants to destroy your marriage and your relationships and your jobs and, and all your possessions. He wants you to uh, seek the world, and, and he wants to bring you up on a mountaintop and tell you, look at all you can have if you'll just worship me. I'll give you all of Look at all of this you can have if you'll just sell your soul to me. You don't need to go to church. You need to go work more so you can have all of this. You don't need to go tell more people about Jesus. You need to focus on your, uh, your, your practices. You need to focus on this. You need to focus on that because you can have it. Look at all you can have appealing to our eyes and our flesh and our pride. I want to show you a triangle that is in total opposition to the one we saw yes, uh, last week. So I'm going to draw another triangle. I don't know how perfect it will be. If you like, oh gosh, whatever. We're going with it. I know, it's not straight. In the scriptures, there are three different areas in your life that oppose up, in, and out. The first one is quite clear. The first one is your appetite. Your appetite. So we're going to put that. That is lust of the flesh. Satan's triangle. Did I spell that right? That's a miracle. Lust of the flesh. Satan is appealing to your appetite. Satan will always, listen to me, church, Satan will always appeal to your appetite. Always appeal to your appetite. This is Satan in your life saying these things to you. 
He says to you in a small, still, cunning voice, this is what will really satisfy you if you'll just take it. This is what will really give you what you really want. Just take it. Just take it. If you just had more money, you wouldn't have all these money problems. Hey, here's more hours. Here's here's a better job. Now, I know it's going to take you away from your family and church, but hey, it's going to give you a whole lot more money. Money takes all the problems away. Here, here, here. it'll, It'll give you what you want. You wanted that boat, didn't you? You wanted that bigger house. You wanted that newer car. You wanted that. You, you've got a status you've got to upkeep in your life. I mean, you've got to keep this sucker going. You, here, here, just have it. All you've got to do is just take it. And he appeals to your appetite. Lust of the flesh. You can hear him saying, this is what's holding you back. I can help you with this. You feel like you're stuck and you're not moving. It's because this is holding you back. Just come to me. Just walk with me. If you want the world, just go get it, he says. You can have it. You can have the American dream. You just got to go get it. And he just dangles it in front of you. And all we are is running after what the Satan is just dangling out. Do you ever get it? No. You never get it because it's always out of reach. It's always out of reach, but yet we find ourselves running after it. And then at some moment in our life, we look back and we see how far we are from the Lord. We see how far we are in our family. We see how far we are in our relationships with people. And we run after the things of the world. And he's appealing to our appetite. See, in our appetite, lust of the flesh, that Satan is appealing to you, in this you abandon up. You abandon up relationship with God. You abandon deep relationship with God. You abandon deep relationship with the Father in your appeal to your appetite and his appeal to your appetite. Why? Because you no longer see God as someone who has offered you everything. You no longer see God as someone who can satisfy all your needs. And so you have, a, you have an appetite. I got to have more. And so you no longer see God as someone who can totally satisfy you. You no longer see God as someone who has the power to totally satisfy you. So you abandon up and you run after the lust of the flesh. God's holding me back. I could have more if it wasn't for him. So I'm abandoning that. I'm going to run after my appetite. We are a people of got to have more. Are we ever satisfied? No, we're never satisfied. I've had those conversations with people. You'll never be satisfied. You can get the latest and greatest today, and there'll be a better one tomorrow, especially in the technology world. You can get the latest and greatest, best, number one, top of the line today, and there'll be a better one tomorrow. That happens in life. And so we abandon up for the sake of fulfilling the appetites that we have, the lust of our flesh. We abandon up. You believe that God is withholding the best from you, so you go to the world to look for the best in your life. But look at what verse 15 says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Satan will always appeal to your appetite. 
you never, listen to me, you never outgrow Satan appealing to your appetite. Never. And let me tell you this too. You may think, no, I'm strong. I can handle it. I've been a Christian for 50 years. I know the Bible in and out. I got an awesome prayer life. And you may, and that is amazing. And praise God for that. Man, keep pursuing that. But let me tell you this. He will continue to appeal to your appetite. He did it with Jesus. He appealed to Jesus' appetite, the lust of the flesh. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. What did he say? Hey, hey, God's with, look, God put you in a position where you're, you, you haven't eaten anything in 40 days, man. God's withholding everything from you. What does Satan do? Just turn these rocks into bread, brother. You'll be satisfied. It'll be good. For, I know you can do it. Just turn them into bread right now. Just do it. Just All you got to do is turn them into bread. That's all you got to do. If you will do what I'm telling you to do, this is what Satan's telling Jesus. If you'll do what I tell you to do and you'll follow me, guess what will happen? You will be satisfied. That's what he told Jesus. So listen, don't you dare think that he won't appeal to your appetite. Hey, just, just, just come get this. It'll satisfy you. All those don't do's and shall nots in the Bible, that's just withholding from you the best that you could experience in life. If you'll just do what I tell you to do, It'll satisfy everything you have, all the appetites that you have. Lust of the flesh. The second one is ambition. Ambition. This is lust of pride. Lust of pride. We read that in the Scriptures. For everything in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of eyes and the pride in one's possessions. Satan will appeal to your ambition. See, there's this old lie that Satan always uses for you and for me, and that lie is this. God is keeping this from you so you won't be like him. There's an old lie out there that Satan uses, and I'm going to tell you this. You know why he uses it? Because he's good at it. You know why Satan still uses this? Because people fall for it every day. And let me tell you this. Every person in this room, all of us, everyone in this room, you know why he keeps using it for you? Because you've fallen for it over and over and over again. Ambition, lust of pride. Satan always tries to convince us that we aren't enough. He always tries to convince us that we're not good enough and that God is not good enough for us, that you need to get more. You need to accomplish more. This, what you have is not God's withholding from you. You could have a better fill-in-the-blank. You could have a better spouse. That's not, look, all that turmoil you're in with your spouse, you could have a better one. They're out there. You, you know the one you work with? You know that one you go to lunch with every now and then? You know your neighbor? You remember that old high school love you had? They're better for you. God says you can't leave your spouse now, but he's with her. he don't want the best for you, but I do. You know that old car you got? This, yeah, it gets you where you go and you don't have any payments, but man, hey, you could have better. How would you like rolling around people seeing you in that new car or that new phone? Or that knew this or knew that, bigger, bad. I don't care. That don't bother me. I, I really, I mean, as long as it gets me where I'm going, I don't. I mean, I got a 2011. That's the newest thing I've ever had. I mean, as a car, 
and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But even that, you know, there's a little appeal, my wife says, to get the 250, and baby, I love it. So I love that 250, man. It is so much more comfortable than my other one. And maybe there was a little bit of lust of pride, I'm not sure, but we had to pull the camper with something. I mean, pride, pride, pride. <laughs> I said, well, look how the kids love the camper. You know, it's for the kids. <laughs> See, in this ambition, lust of pride, you abandon in. You abandon your deep relationship with your faith family. You abandon deep relationships with your godly people in your life. Why is that? Your ambition to get more, your ambition to see more, experience more, gain more, accomplish more, keeps you from having deep relationships within. They keep you from having deep relationships with godly people in your life. Why? Because you just got to have more. And then the problem is more is never enough for you. And you don't even recognize it. That's the issue. We don't even recognize it oftentimes because we see so much success around us. Higher wages, better swing for our kids, more accolades, more banking accounts, better vacations. We see all of that, and so we see success. And so we, what we don't see is an abandonment of our end. We seem successful, so we begin to sacrifice the best in our life, up, in, and out, for the things of the world that will cause desperation and anxiety and suffering and hate in our life. When the devil appeals to your ambition, the lust of pride, he knows that those things are going to take you away from the best things, but he has convinced us that what he has is better. What he offers, what the world offers is better. So we begin to sacrifice what's really best for our life for the things that are worst for our life. Listen, church, we need to get to a place in our hearts that we say, I will sacrifice everything. I will sacrifice everything for the sake of my end, for the sake of my end. My, as for me and my house, we are going to sacrifice everything for the sake of our end, our faith family, our gatherings, our serving, our loving, our giving. We'll sacrifice everything. Uh, now we live in a world now where most church people say, well, we'll sacrifice church for everything else. That's okay. It's just church. We'll go next week. And you probably will. <laughs> That's the thing. You probably will. But then the next time it's a little easier. The next time it's a little easier, and then we begin to teach our kids lessons. It's okay. You don't, you don't have to go to church. If you don't have anything else going on, you can go. But if you've got other things going on, it's all right. No big deal. I know you worked. You know, we worked hard all week and Saturday, and so we're just going to you know, sit out on Sunday. So what you're saying is you're going to pour yourself out for the world and you have nothing left for Jesus. Listen, I, I, I asked our staff this before. If we were not on staff, how faithful would we be to our gathering? That's a good question for us. If we were not on staff, how faithful would we be at our gatherings? How faithful would we be to the Scriptures that teach us to gather 
Verse 15, can we go back to it? Do not love the world. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That's these things. Do not, he says, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Why? Why should we not abandon up? Why should we not abandon in? Why? So that you may be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. If we're pursuing appetite and ambition, you will not be able to, uh, to discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And that's exactly what Satan wants for you. That you cannot and do not have the ability to discern what should I do. What is the godly thing for me to do? Should I say no to that and say yes to this? Or should I say yes to that and no to this? But if we do not uh, allow the Satan to appeal to our appetite and our ambition, then you are able to discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Don't, don't you want that, church? Don't we want that? Don't we want to be able to discern what is good? Don't we want to be able to discern the perfect will of God, the pleasing will of God? I believe you do. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? These are powerful words. So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Whoever wants to become a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What do friends do? Friends talk alike. They share alike. They look alike. They like the same things. I have many friends in this room. We have a lot of um, uh, things that uh, we love together and talk about. But James says in James 4, 4, whoever wants to be a friend of the world, you become an enemy of God. Listen to me. This is an enemy of God. You are in total, we are in total opposition to God. John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Can I ask you a question? Does the world hate you? Does the world hate you? Or does the world love you? Because you are giving yourself up for the world, to advance the world's kingdoms, to advance the world's uh, priorities. Satan appeals to your pride. You know why? Because he knows you. He knows you. The third one is approval. Uh-oh. Approval. Can't write correctly. Approval. This is uh, lust of the eyes. Approval, the lust of the eyes. The old lie says, I may, you know what, I may not be enough. You begin seeking approval from others to be satisfied in your life. You begin to have a sexual sway of your eyes, drawing our eyes away from God and from what God has given up. You see, in approval, lust of the eyes, you abandon out. You abandon deep relationships with the lost, with sinners around you. Why? Because at one time you were influencing them, but now you, they are influencing you. 
See, instead of uh, you having a deep relationship up with the Father, in with the church, and out with the lost people to see them get saved, instead of you influencing them with the gospel, they are influencing you with the things of the world. And you say, I say, they must love me. The reality is they don't. The world does not love you. The only thing the world wants for you is to destroy you. Do you hear me? The only thing the world wants for you is to destroy you, to punish, to, to pound you into the ground and then make it seem as it's, if it's your fault. You abandon out because of instead of you impressing your beliefs upon the world, you look for the world to impress their beliefs upon you. And every one of them are lies. And listen to me, instead of the world depending on you, Satan has you depending on the world for your self-worth. Lust of the eyes. You got to have approval. I got to have them like me. We live in a, uh, ah, let me get, I hope I get this. Teenagers, y'all going to laugh at me if I get this wrong. I'm not in this world a lot. We, we live for the, the blue check mark. Isn't that right? On Instagram, the blue check mark. There's a song about it. She's got a blue check mark by her name. I don't know. Something like that. In Instagram world, you're like, what's Instagram? Do you eat that? Is it like, do you put it in the microwave and it's just Instagram? Or what do we do? It's social media, post pictures, uh, you know. Anyway, I, I have one. I don't really use it much. Uh, but anyway, but we live in a world now where most people now they just want to know how many likes can I get because likes equal approval. How many thumbs up can I get? You know why? Because a thumbs up equals approval. They must approve of me. Then we look at other people's posts and pictures and we say, man, they got, they got 400 likes on theirs and I only got 278. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And every like are from people, half of them, you don't even know. And we're seeking approval from people that don't even know us and don't care anything about us. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to move on. You abandon, you're out. Instead of seeking approval from God and who God says you are, you start to seek approval from the world and the, who the world says you are. Let me, listen to me, teenagers. I know you guys live in this world. Man, you, you, you like the likes and the thumbs ups and the shares and all that. I get that. I understand all that. Let me tell you something. You are not defined by how many likes you get. You're not. Every teenager in this room, every young person, you are not defined by how many likes you get. And let me tell you this. If you are posting just to get likes, he's already got you. He's already got you. Because you are seeking approval from people. It's not just the young people, it's the adults in the room. Sometimes we withhold sharing Jesus with somebody so we don't offend them. We want them to like us. He's already got us. Lust of the eyes. Listen, all three of these tactics from Satan are meant to dull your love for God and for spiritual things. Makes it easy to sin by appealing to your greatest weaknesses. And let me tell you something, these are it. These are your greatest weaknesses. And Satan knows it because these three is what got him kicked out of heaven. 
These are the things that got him kicked out of heaven. But look at verse 17. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Because the world is passing away, living for the world and the things of the world, mainly these three appeals, means losing everything in time. When you uh, live for the world and the things of the world, these three things, appetite, ambition, and approval, when you live for these three things, what the Bible says is that uh, it means you are losing everything in time. All of these are going to pass away, every one of them. They're going to pass away. But there's one thing that won't. There's one thing that won't pass away, and it says, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Remains forever. Living for God means nothing passes away and that we abide with him for all eternity. Can I ask you this? Which one sounds better? Which one sounds better? things that eventually pass away over time, and you're going to lose everything that you pursue in this world, you will lose it. Do you understand that? You're going to lose it. And you have sold yourself to gain as much as you can gain on this earth, and you're going to lose it. You know what's going to happen? You're going to leave your junk for someone else. You know what it is? Junk. Oh, it's shiny and runs smooth now, but it'll be junk. And you will not stand before God and say, God, look at all that I have. You will bow yourself before him. You will say, God, I abandoned you. Oh, God, I abandoned your church. God, I abandoned the world for Jesus because I thought I had to have a better me. May we stand before God with open hands, with all humility, and say, God, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing but a broken vessel to give to you. And Jesus steps in, says, he's mine. And I've covered him. He doesn't come here with nothing. He comes here with me, with the righteousness of Christ You'll stand before the Lord with Jesus. And let me tell you this, may that be enough for you now. May may it be enough for us now. Where are you? You can put your dot right here of your life, and you can put one to ten here, one to ten, and fill it all in and find out where you are in life. Are you way too balanced in Satan's triangle? Listen, every time Jesus was tempted, he responded with Scripture, so we shall do the same. Every one of us has been tempted by these things. And every one of us has fallen in the trap of these things. Let me tell you, every time Jesus was tempted, he responded with Scripture, so we do the same. 1 John 1, 9, this is for the believer and the unbeliever. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And not only that, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? Not only is he going to cleanse you of your sin today, he will cleanse you of all your sins of yesterday's. He will cleanse you of all your sins for tomorrow's. If we confess our sins, may we confess to him. Let's pray. Father, God, we love you. Thankful for the scriptures. 
And Lord, I pray for myself, for all of us in this room. Lord, we have been duped. We have been lied to. And God, at some point in our life, Lord, we have abandoned up, we have abandoned our in, we have abandoned our out, but God, may we be a people today that we come and confess our sins to you. God, we know and we believe and we trust that you are faithful and just to forgive and cleanse of all of our unrighteousness. Church, listen to me. Where are you today? Have you been lied to? I can say yes. Have you been duped? Did you think, man, if I go for that, it's going to satisfy all of my needs and desires. It's going to make me wonderful and, and ambitious, and man, it's going to give me power and prestige. You were lied to, weren't you? You ran after it, and you found nothing but fear, selfish ambition, vain conceit is what you found. And you were left, and the world walked away from you. And cared nothing for you. Let me tell you something. Satan and the world will always do that. But Jesus will not. Allow him to pick you up this morning. Allow him to come and rescue you from your pit of misery. Let's do what the Bible says to confess our sins. May we come to the altar and say, God, forgive me for I have abandoned my up. I have abandoned my in, I have abandoned my out because of ambition and approval and the lust of the flesh. Do we have some dads in the room, some mamas in the room that'll say, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to sacrifice everything for our up. We're going to sacrifice everything for our in and for our out. May we come before the Lord repenting. And listen, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. That scripture is the same for you. That if you will come before the Lord and confess your sins to him, let me tell you something. He is faithful and just to forgive you, and he will save you. Do you need Jesus this morning? We invite you to come and pray. I'll be down front. Pastor Randy will be down front as well. We'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you just want to come and pray and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Listen, if we're going to be a going church, we need to be going to the altar. We need to be going and bowing before the Lord, repenting of our sins. May we do that. Father, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.